Hello, everyone, and thanks for giving us your time today for VR Download. Each week we meet here in VR to discuss the next generation of personal computing. My name is Ian Hamilton. I'm in Arkansas, joined by Kyle in Ohio. VR brings us together into this broadcast studio where we've got cameras, a TV, and tablets for notes and comments. We syndicate VR Download out to all podcast platforms and encourage our audience to become Upload VR members. This week we're sponsored by Vale VR, which just released an early access on Steam. It's a verse. It's a VR first-person shooter with immersive physics, full-body animations and skins, climb, vault, ride, zip lines, and defy gravity on jump pads to achieve victory in this 5v5 competitive shooter. We're going to cover just a, a, a free-flowing conversation today over the best VR of 2022, as well as looking back at 10 years with Oculus. Kyle and I have been at this for quite a long time. And it's kind of getting to me, Kyle, a little bit that it's it's been a decade of VR now. And I think there's a lot of new people who have come into VR since then. A lot of people who have been around even longer than that decade. I know there's people that have been waiting for the 90s, since the 90s for VR to take off. Kyle, why don't you give us a sense of, of where you're at mentally? What, what do you think? How are you thinking about VR these days? Ooh, mentally. I, I don't know if you want me to start there. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you one thing's for sure. My virtual back really hurts. Oh, it's so, it, it feels so old. I feel old, you know, that we've been doing this this as long as we have been. Uh, by the way, hi, everyone. It's not normal for you guys to see me not be in the host seat with Ian. Normally, it's either Ian and Heaney or me and Heaney, but me, I'm, I'm Heaney today. I guess. It's really cool using the Quest Pro headset, which is one of many that I've owned that we'll go through. Do you have the microphone guards on there? Or are we going to hear you puff, 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 puffing I, throughout I the whole show? I don't. I do not. I do not have. Oh, no. uh, so I will try to keep my P's and Q's straight. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's that bad. Actually, you know, I think I think there's been an, an update I don't know. I've noticed that I've done I've done a few recordings, and uh, I, I don't know if it's as bad. So uh, y'all will have to tell me. Y'all uh, will have to let me know if I'm. So now I'm now I'm back in Ohio. Uh, I, I'm allowed to say y'all again. Yeah, people. I saw people asking where David Heaney is. So Heaney is yeah. on vacation. David is on vacation. I got to get practiced. People were making fun of me for saying last time that I was going to try to say. David Heaney, but I right. ended up saying Heaney through the whole show anyways. Right. Yeah, yes. he's on vacation. We've got Henry on vacation for one more day. Harry is on vacation. I mm. would like to be on vacation. My mind is on vacation a little bit. You know, it's it's the season where you show VR to others in real life, really, right now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, right. Yeah, well, no, it is. It is. Yeah, I've, uh, I've showed VR to uh, several folks over the course of the last week or so. And, uh, I mean, it's our, it's our duty, uh, not as evangelists, but just as, you know, uh, tech geeks who like to share all the fun tech with everybody. I wonder how long before I can put a watch on my avatar. Do you, you, know? do you get the questions still from family? Do you work for Meta? Do you, do you get that? I, so I had family come in from Colorado, and the question's always like, well, I see them maybe once every couple of years, and they come in, they're like, oh, so you work for Oculus. And I'm like, I don't know where to begin with that question. Um, <laughs> it's so a rough much. one. No, I don't, yeah. I don't make that money. I don't make that, that, crazy, yeah. Yeah. that crazy Facebook money. Ain't got That's that where... meta cheddar. Yeah. <laughs> 
Anthony's saying get the pop filter. So you're officially on notice, Kyle, that you have right. to get the pop filter okay. before you right. uh, well rejoin. I, 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 I so that's I, why it, I took it, that's why I took the host seat away from him. That's in, in, that's my interesting reasoning. interesting thing though. So I had in the last episode, and I'll, I'll try to speak lower and try not to use certain consonants. I had a piece of tape over my microphones during the last episode that I did. And it seemed to be okay, but not great. When I went into Horizon Worlds later that day, don't ask why, uh, I was told that nobody could hear me. And I, I, I assumed that it was because of the microphone doodad that I had put on there. And so I took it off and then like, yeah, I can hear you just fine now. So I'm not really sure what happened there. Uh, but yeah, no, I'll, I'll get, uh, I'll put a mustache on my pro. I promise. <laughs> yeah. So. I'm seeing creative saying I never owned Oculus or quest. I just owned Pico four. That's a new VR person coming in, in this year. Uh, that's, that's millions. We're going to have millions and millions of new people getting VR headsets in the next six months to two years, just a whole new generation of VR, getting VR for the first time. And the fact that you're starting with Pico 4 kind of underscores the changing of the guard, the changing of the time, right? Uh, for the last few years, it has been a quest-heavy show. There have been a couple amazing PSVR games, a couple amazing PC VR games, but by and large, for the last couple of years, if you released a VR game, you kind of have to, kind of had to, hit quest first uh in order to make the most amount of money and that is slowly changing um obviously we can see our comments here so if you have any basic comments about vr any questions about vr we want to help our commenters are very supportive we love the discussion that we have every week uh in in vr we will ban uh people if they get a little too rowdy i suppose um but luckily, that doesn't happen too often. Kyle, I was looking through your your ten images, your your history of VR images here. <laughs> uh, looking through the years, I I set the image. I don't think I have it. Darn it! In my uh, folder here of my first Oculus demo back in 2012, uh, I I went and got the Brendan Ereb duct tape demo. Um, I was going through right my audio files and i still have my audio files floating around from that very first discussion and uh you can hear brendan Ereb describe vr you can hear palmer lucky describe where he was back then and uh i came away from that first demo and and wrote this piece for the front of the orange county registers business section and i think to the people at oculus it was one of the first times that a they, they, I would have been mainstream journalist at the time, took them seriously. So a, a mainstream publication wrote a big article taking what Oculus was doing seriously. And that article, that, that business section, was on the front of their sort of lobby for years uh, there in the first office in Orange County. It was always a little weird. And then, yeah, uh, from from that demo onward, I kept coming back to my editors trying to come up with new stories to write about VR all the time because I became convinced pretty quickly there that it was uh, certainly going to take off for real. I was, let's see, where's your DK1 demo? Is this DK1 here? Yeah. So this is, uh, is this you and DK1, Kyle? 
So, yeah, you know, uh, Ian said prior to us doing this episode, he says, uh, go, go find pictures of you uh, in all the different headsets that you've owned. And, uh, you know, I've, I've owned them all. Uh, I, well, okay. Not all, but I mean, I, I've owned all of the Oculus headsets and, uh, different iterations. Uh, what you see here is, um, well, this is, this is pretty crazy. Uh, I have an Oculus, uh, DK one. This is the development kit, the first development kit. Uh, and, uh, for those of you who do not know, they uh there there's only three degrees of freedom there there's it's a three doff headset so you had y'all pitch and roll but you didn't have any positional tracking and so do do you recognize this piece of equipment that i have strapped to myself up oh, you're muted yeah is that one of the hydras that is the razor hydra uh which is a uh it had a a little green magnetic base uh, a ball. It wasn't magnetic. It, it had like some sort of. Ma- the tracking was like circular, so there was some issues with it. But uh, essentially, yeah. So one of these, the the one controller was for body posi- positional tracking, and then the other one was a controller. I, gosh, I really wish I could remember the name of the game that I was playing. It was it was built in Unreal. And oh man, oh it takes my, me back. My first, my first demo that I can remember doing with this setup was the scared in the forest one. I uh, wish I could remember his name too. Maybe someone in our comments will. Alone uh, in the rift. Oh, it was so you're walking into an old cabin, and at some random moment when you're in the cabin or outside, a scary screaming woman ghost will yell at you. And I remember putting video out of me uh, screaming, my friends screaming, and they thought we faked it because it was <laughs> uh, it was that far into the sort of like everyone had seen these screaming videos and people were already faking them. But I, I did certainly, uh, you know, I'm sweating, uh, sweat is is dripping down my forehead because I'm just that stressed out, and those were my my biggest, those were very impactful moments of realizing. Well, I'm I'm reacting to this differently than if I had just watched a really scary movie on the TV. You know, I, I have to I have to point out that Andrew Tech here uh, says Kyle did wireless VR before anyone else. Uh, thank you for being such a long term fan because uh, those of you who remember my old YouTube videos, which I mean they're all still up out there in the cosmos uh, for posterity. Now, I mean it's just it, it, there's no there's no value to those videos as tutorials now, uh, just pure entertainment. But yeah, the uh, I did wireless VR um, using a DK1, actually. I had this wireless uh, using uh, several pieces of equipment. But yes, uh, and hello to Artful as well. Had a wonderful holiday, and I am still bespectacled. So there you go. Um, Some wonderful quote comments already here. Yeah, Andrew yeah, right? saying Merry Christmas, Happy New mm-hmm. Year. Uh, Greg saying VR has to be in your soul. It's not guaranteed that everyone will dig it. I think that's true. Although I think that might change over time. I, I think you will I think VR will win over more of the people who don't get it with each successive generation. That's one of the things that I've I've picked up on, at least among developers, where a developer might have gone and tried this out and said, nah, nah, I'm I'm not getting it. 
then they got a full room scale with both hand controllers and it was just it was over the line in terms of uh capabilities and they're like oh maybe i could actually build for this um and and they did get one over over time uh danny's saying we need pico 4 in australia and um Andrew asking, here's a question nobody asks. If you were going to receive a hand-me-down VR headset, which one would you want? And I saw Ooh. someone else already suggesting this, that they're going to hand down their Quest 2 as soon as Quest 3 is out. And that would be that would be my pick at this point yeah. in time. If you're going to yeah. get a hand-me-down, uh, get a Quest 2. If you can, get a Quest 1. If you cannot, uh, there's still plenty of games that work on the Quest 1. But if you can somehow get a hand-me-down Quest 2, you're going to be up and running with all the latest games. Now, I, I don't personally uh, go to GameStop very often, but I would wonder how long it's going to take before Quests and Quest 2 show up, and I would expect somebody in the comments to go, oh, I already saw one! Oh. Um PlayStation VR, uh, I've seen those at uh, GameStop, but I have not seen a Quest one or two. But I would, I wonder what the, I guess I'm wondering what the economy for that is. Like, what is the economy for used headsets? Um, it's is there it's is there anybody out there? Is it? It's, yeah. Well, okay. it's it's remarkable. Um, I <clears throat> sold a couple using Facebook Marketplace, and they were getting picked up really fast. And what was it was amazing how horrible Facebook Marketplace is as like a product because, you know, I had to swat away uh, what half of my in half of my inquiries were from scammers trying to you know auto send me money and then have me send them money back using that old uh, old thing to try to get you uh, out of your money because the banks aren't catching up to your uh, trans- transactions mm-hmm. quickly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was reminding me it reminded me of how easy it is to sell an iPhone or an iPad uh, because in for some parts of its lifespan the iPhone was like as good as cash for taking a product to another country so you could take an iPhone from the United States to a country where it isn't officially sold yet and it was like you were taking cash from one country to another because you could that so reliably sell it in the new country and get this wad of cash for this product you brought over. It feels like Quest is in that same kind of high demand product category. Uh, Kyle, do you remember how much this cost? How much how much was this dev kit? Did I pay $300 for that, I believe? That's what I recall the price being and I it it blows my mind that we have gone. We went to six, seven hundred for a, a kit, up to a thousand if you want room scale with all the additional trackers, uh, and then all the way back down a decade later, down to the three hundred dollar realm for the Quest Two, and then obviously back up to four hundred uh, when they did their little price increase. But I really wonder whether we'll see Quest Three back at three hundred dollars next year. It's a real, uh, real question. Yeah, there. I don't know. Uh, yeah, the, the like I said. The economy for this is uh, – <clears throat> it's interesting. I, I'm not really sure where the, uh, where the value sits. Does it rely on you – know, uh, you know, obviously, if you're going to get an iPhone, since you use that as an example, you know, the, uh, the iPhone itself, will it uh, – you know, if it scratches on the screen, does it have as much value? If there's scratches on the lenses of one of these guys, um, 
I don't know. I'd be, I'd be curious to see, uh, you know, are, are we going to see websites spring up that solely function to buy and sell used VR headsets? Like I, I, I want there to be an economy for this. I mean, as a, as a small anecdote here, since, you know, it's still the holidays, I, I went to a Christmas party. All my cousins all have children now and they're all in their, yeah. Early to mid teens, and a couple of them are sitting around the couch, and uh, they're all talking about what game they want to play. Uh, what's the next game? You know, they've done, uh, they they've played themselves uh, plenty of Arizona Sunshine, and they've done some Pavlov. They were all talking about wanting to get Phasmophobia, and I'm like, okay. I mean, the, 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 these are teenagers sitting around at Christmas having conversations about what next game they're going to play, all of them. And uh, there's there's a lot of hope uh, for uh, for the for the future of VR. I really do think there is. Yeah, it's a very very strange year uh, overall. We we had the Christmas bump hit, uh, all the devs noticing and putting out those charts that just show, you know, a flat line, and then all of a sudden Christmas boom, uh, their yeah. sales go through the roof. But at the same time, uh, it's not you know it wasn't the same push necessarily for PC VR. It, the Quest itself is an aging system, right? So people know Quest Three. A lot of people know Quest Three is coming. And Quest Pro obviously got like the the brunt of the marketing and and product push this year from Meta. So it's even though you know you're going to have a rush around Christmas, you're also not seeing the the same kind of push on software side. We got our review of Walking Dead Saints and Sinners out right before Christmas, and you know that as an example there, that was supposed to be a monster, major, huge. Christmas period release and they they more or less put that game out there without properly quality assurance testing or at least not bug fixing the testing bugs that were probably found during the quality assurance testing phase uh, two weeks passed from that early December release they put out a big patch to fix a lot of those bugs you know zombies are disappearing on people you could still hear them the game was crashing on our reviewers so that they had to replay giant sections of the game. Those are really, really terrible bugs to have in VR. And uh, there's still some there. We'll revisit the game early next year. But that game came out for Quest only with all of those bugs. And then the PC and PSVR 2 versions of that game are pushed out to next year. So there's plenty of time for them to sort of get another push around launch but just kind of weird because this period was so big last year between the questies day that they promoted over at meta as well as just the the, you know low price of the headset as well as all the games hitting that they're all pushed all at the same time and then this year it just kind of thudded a little bit in comparison because one of the big games had so many bugs. We will revisit that early next year. And Kyle, I was just spending a lot of time. I've, I've talked about this internally a lot, but I want to get into our best uh, of VR. We already had a question there asking for us to explain why we picked What the Bat. We'll explain that shortly. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting more comfortable after going through all this, Kyle, with my concept of how we... How we want to recognize some of the best things in VR, because I, I really did notice the shift uh, 
this year in VR from, yes, there's great games. Yes, there's a lot of great free content. But somewhere in between those two sort of uh, categories of things, there's just great places to spend your time in VR. And if you go down the major activities that you enjoy in the real world, from playing mini golf to watching movies, there are incredible versions of those activities in VR. And it's very easy to recommend those on an ongoing basis. Hello, Skiva. Oh, hey. Skiva's here. All right. In the house. Uh, you know, when we were talking the other day, Ian, about the the best of and I kind of I kind of waffled a, a bit about what is the appropriate breakdown because you can get super granular. This is me doing my very best, uh, Eric Cartman from South Park uh, in a DK two. Uh, that was that was me doing that. Uh, now, it, it, what is the best categories? You know, like you mentioned, golf. You mentioned places. You know, you know uh, movies. There's. Uh, there's like three or four different uh, games for almost every category of, you know, this, that, or the other. And you could have a zombie game category if you want. Shooting zombies is literally a category. You, you could have five different zombie categories if oh, you yeah. really wanted, right? Oh, and yeah. you could have five different flight uh, categories. And flight was the one that really uh, irked me or bothered me. That's, you know, I'm thinking about a lot right now. If you want to go and have a great flight experience in VR, there are reasonably five or six amazing options. The question is, what kind of a flight experience do you want? Do you want aerial combat? Do you want a realistic simulation? Do you want the, the flight experience to match what you actually get in a physical aircraft as, right. as much as you possibly can? Do you want to... Battle. Do you want it to be more arcadey? Do yeah. you want it to be more, re you know, how much, you know, control space, do you want to have? Yeah. Space flight versus air flight. Like, they're completely different categories, right? Like, yeah. and whether you want to, you know, whether you want to do bombing runs on land locations or whether you're just, you know, hiding around asteroids, right? You could have uh, five different categories for space flight. I was just thinking of, like, uh, Elite Dangerous versus No Man's Sky, right? They're both incredible experiences in their own right, but in completely different ways. You're not going to go like you're going to go into Elite Dangerous for a completely different reason than you're going to go into No Man's Sky. And then the same is true for Flight Simulator, uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator. Like you're serving three entirely different audiences with the same general premise there. And we have to find ways to, to make sure we recognize that range of work see there's there's such a challenge though because no, no man's sky really kind of botches up the whole concept of categories because if you want to consider it if you want to consider no man's sky is a great video game on a 2d screen it's a fantastic experience when you put a headset on and you play especially if you got a really beefy computer and it can actually handle all the graphics and you turn everything up to 11 or 12 but you know, considering a game to be a place, it, the universe that you go into to be able to experience what No Man's Sky can offer is different than saying the universe that you go into to, say, do flight sims. Uh, there, there's, there's so many gray areas that I'm not really 
like if I go into like virtual desktop to go stream something very, you know, just go into the theater or big screen or something like that. I can turn everything off and just see the movie. I'm in a completely black void and all I am doing is watching the movie. Am I actually somewhere? Am I in a place or am I just consuming whatever the, is the movie the place I'm going to, or is the void the place I'm going? You know what I mean? It's kind of oh hard. My gosh, to, you're doing, you're doing the, the hardcore, uh, what is, what is VR questions? Yeah, I, know. No, I get it. No. Um, <laughs> so a couple things there. Uh, I am, I think it's worth recognizing big screen and virtual desktop both as incredible, incredible things in their own way. So big screen, I'm going to argue, is the best virtual movie theater, period. It is as close as you can get to the theatrical going to the theater experience. You can have friends sitting on either side of you. You can have strangers sitting all around you just like you have in a real theater and everyone can be muted. And then you're watching some random thing up on the screen. I was joking about this. Uh, I went into a random room in big screen to test it out. And Violent Night was playing. Uh, that's the movie with the guy from Stranger Things as uh, Santa Claus. And I just I put this scene on and it's just a random scene from the movie where he he just decimates an entire special operations team with a candy cane. Like he has a sharpened candy cane and is just stabbing people with it and doing all sorts of John Wicky things with that candy cane. And I'm just sitting there in this beautiful, well lit theater with a bunch of randos. Nobody's saying anything. At some point, someone pops up and says, "What? what's the name of this movie? And a couple of people turn their mics on real quick and say, it's Violent Night. And we go back to watching it. That's the best theater experience. I'm going to argue that virtual desktop is a personal display viewer. It's a, it's a personal, private display viewer. And it doesn't replicate the theater experience. Yes, you can go sit in a theater inside of virtual desktop, but what that does is provide to a personal display for traditional games. You can even get your VR games streamed from a PC, as well as all your movies that are on your PC. You can get streamed to you personally. It's like having a, a portable display with you at all times. Now, you can go into environments in either of those apps and there are some great ones in either of them. I was looking through them today. With big screen, you've got, um, I love their stadium seating cinema. They've got this wonderful stadium, like giant IMAX type cinema where each row is lower in front of you. You've got no one blocking you, but you can still see other people down there. And then this giant screen. You've got the reflections on the seats in front of you. It just looks gorgeous. And then over in virtual desktop, you've got this sort of personal viewer room it's like a personal theater you're centered in the room the lights are doing their thing but the picture is just fantastic and crisp um yes so it, it the the environments there are backdrops for the overall experience yes the environments matter but the overall experience when you take those things uh the way i've laid them out there th those are the best experiences for two different purposes in VR. Uh, you can have a theater experience with big screen. You can have a private display with virtual desktop. I want to say thank you to Anthony for the donation with Red Matter 2 pushing mobile chips to its limits and making it look easy. I'd love a GDC presentation from the devs. It really makes 
2022 special. I think now is probably a good time to go with our, to discuss our What the Bat selection for Game of the Year, uh, specifically in relation to Red Matter 2. Did you try Red Matter 2, Kyle? Uh, you know, Red Matter 2, uh, I did not, uh, I watched a lot of people, other people play and, um, you know, there's just certain genres uh, of games and things that, you know, uh, appeal to certain people and I respect that. And, you know, everybody's got their own taste of games. Um, but I want to address the, what the bat thing right off the bat. Yeah. Sorry. That was actually unintended, but totally works. Um, Ian texted me or I think it was Slack and you say, Hey, I think we're going with what the bat as our big winner. And I had seen it, but I hadn't played it. And so I felt an obligation. All right. If this is really what we're going to do, I'm going to jump in here and play this. Uh, downloaded what the bat went out in my living room, got a big open area and I played it for five minutes and went, Oh no, I want to keep playing. And I played it more and I played it more. And I played it more and I'm giggling and I'm enjoying myself and I'm not getting frustrated. And I immediately wanted my kids to play. Like I immediately wanted my kids to come and play this game. I get it. I I absolutely get it. And you know what? It's not, you know, I always thought it was stupid that every person I knew was playing candy crush. I didn't see the value in that game, but like billions of people, billions and billions of people playing Candy Crush. I never understood the game. What the Bat, I think, is one of those types of games where if you get it, you love it. And if you don't get it, you hate it. Uh, well, we get it. We we get it and we love it. And so there you go. It's yeah, so this this goes kind of to the core of of why why we're trying to evolve the way we recognize outstanding content in VR, right? We recognized Vertical Robot, the developers of Red Matter 2. We, gave, we, we recognized them as best developers of the year. And the reason we did that, the logic, you go and read the post, uh, they launched that on PC, Quest, Quest Pro, and Pico. Right, and on each of those platforms, they did different things. So on Pico, they increased performance specifically for Pico headsets. On Quest Pro, they used the uh, foveated rendering. On Quest Two, they did just an amazing, amazing job with the visuals of of Red Matter Two overall. Just incredible work. And then, of course, it's on PC as well. And we wanted to recognize that work and completely in agreement with our comments here that I would love to see an in-depth breakdown. They've already done it us uh, to a certain extent across their own channels, but I would love to see like a GDC post-mortem going to the graphics there and how they were able to accomplish that. I'm expecting more from them. I went into Red Matter 2 and I was bored within uh, 10 minutes, uh, hmm. five minutes. And I hate saying that because there's plenty of people out there that are going to go out and play Red Matter 2 to completion um, and, and love it. I'm, I, I just, it got old. Uh, I didn't like the, the, the setup of the puzzles or, or how to find your way around. Yeah, it's gorgeous to take in. It's absolutely astoundingly beautiful how amazing that environment is. But I just 
got bored fast. I, I, you know, there is this thing that happens with VR headsets and with VR games in general. You know, it's your time to wishing you were somewhere else. Um, and it hits in a lot of games very, very quickly. And Red Matter was one of them where it just, it didn't work. Uh, what the Bat is the opposite. You described What the Bat exactly as it hit me. Pistol Whip is the one before that that hit me in the same sort of way. You give it five minutes and you're hooked and it really clicks. Um, and well, here, some games me, are like that. So, so let me interrupt here because I, I think the challenge for people who are going to go, uh, the upload guys are idiots for picking What the Bat and why wouldn't they pick something else? You have to understand that it's all about target audience. Uh, Ian was bored with Red Matter, too. Uh, and and I didn't even bother playing it because I had seen other people play it enough that I got the gist of what was happening, uh, which you can fault me for. I'll go play it immediately after we're done with this, I promise, okay? But target audience, um, you know, if you're a reader, if you're a frequent reader or consumer of our content, we... Uh, don't only have a target audience of extreme high-end gamers. We don't only cater to developers. We don't only cater to PC VR. We don't only cater to... There are... If you want a channel that only talks nicely about PSVR content, there's plenty of them out there. That's great. If you want something that's a lot more well-rounded, something that you can send grandma and little Billy to at the same time, you send them to upload because they're here, uh, well, here in the cosmos, uh, we want everyone to appreciate our content and find it helpful. There's plenty of stuff that's going to target only to that small niche group of people. You know, it's like developers out there who are building PC VR right now. You know who your target audience is. You know that there's going to be people going, how come this isn't on Quest? Well, it's not on Quest because it, Quest isn't going to give you the power that you need to make this game do what the developer wants it to do. But the developer knows that their target audience is a little bit smaller than what you'd get if it was on mobile VR. So that's my little spiel about, you know, target audiences is why we choose what we choose. But, I mean, I knew people who were 18 and 80 who played Candy Crush. I feel like the same thing is going to happen with What the Bat and Red Matter 2. Eh, you know, there's a specific target audience of people who like that type of game. You know, I'm a huge fan of No Man's Sky, both on a flat screen and on uh, a VR headset. Uh, I, I like RTSs. I don't like certain other things. I mean, I, there are games out there that if I said I didn't like it, people would be like, oh, no, oh, no, you can't say you don't like that game. But I don't, and that's okay because everybody plays what they want to play. Uh, but as reviewers, we're trying to give the most well-rounded answers, not just for extreme gaming because that's we could do a whole other category of just that. I mean, we're giving credit where credit's due. If a developer does a good job, you're a great developer. In terms of gameplay, that's a different story. You know, who's going to actually appreciate your game versus how well you built it. I've seen some really well-built games that I didn't enjoy. Doesn't make it a bad game. It's just not for me, you know? Yeah. So Skiva making this comment here, new VR users are going to come to who they know as the absolute authority on VR. They're going to see uploads, say what the bad is the best VR game. They'll probably think it new VR isn't there yet. I, oh. I appreciate that. I appreciate that feedback. 
But I'm going to argue the opposite is probably the case that people are going to be giggling um, within the first five minutes of playing that game, and it's going to be a a more universal reaction than people having the reaction you're suggesting there, Skiva. Even though, point taken, I get it, and you might be right. Um, I'm going to argue argue the other way. I have to throw this in there, too, because, Skiva, I totally appreciate that concept. There's a lot of people who think that developers who make simple games that don't have high-end graphics are going to say, oh, VR can't handle what's necessary for a good game. I understand that logic. I don't agree with it, but I understand why so many people are saying that and think that. But let's picture the other side of the spectrum where a 38-year-old mother calls me and says my 14-year-old son wants a VR headset and all I'm seeing are that it's shooters, 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 and I don't want my child playing shooter, 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 shooters, and then going to school and talking about shooting, 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 shooting. There's a completely different group of people out there who want to buy their kids video games that they can play vacation simulator or they can play a job simulator or they can do flight sims and they can do art things and draw. Uh, they can, you know, pet the little uh, yeah. aliens and, and watch movies and, and interact with friends and build stuff and then play games like What the Bat if all we do is say this is the best zombie shooter that you're going to get, I mean, come on. Like, you know, you have to show that there are other things out there that are going to work and be available. It's, uh, it's controversial. I know it's, it's all hard. right. So it's, all right. You got to ask what our ideal audience is, right? Do, who do we have in mind as our, as our readers, as our audience, when we make these selections, a couple things to keep in mind. Our reviews are written by a single person. So if you see a byline on a review, it's written by that person. It's their opinion. And their opinion can differ from yours in in serious ways. With our best of lists and uh, those types of things, we do it collectively. We, We have discussion more going back and forth, trying to pick and handle the, the different things that, that are weighing on us on a, in our mindset. And one of the things that I just, I got to throw out there, if we're, if you have this picture in your mind of who the ideal audience is for VR, and it's, you know, it, you, you start picturing this, this person who is a hardcore uh, shooter gamer there, they go out and play shooter games. Call of Duty is there, you know, bread and butter they they play call of duty all the time and they want to experience vr right um i'm probably going to direct that person to bone lab right i'm going to say you know that's for that for that audience member for that person go go check out bone lab and see if you've got the iron stomach to make it through bone lab uh without getting sick um but keep in mind, Bone Lab, its very first scene has you hang yourself, right? The very first thing you do in that game is you take a noose and put it around your neck. I spent a good 20 minutes avoiding putting that noose around my neck. Right? That's how stupid I was uh, in the very first scene of Bone Lab. How many 
you know, how many of those people, the moms, the teenagers who aren't Call of Duty players, are just going to be turned off by that entire experience of like, that's not what they're going for. I'm not going to go through a, like a mock, a mock suicide in my first few moments in VR. Like, that's just not me. Now, that's not to say that Stress Level Zero knows exactly what kind of audience it wants. And they weren't, and they were incredibly successful at building for that audience. And there's a ton of gamers in VR who want exactly what Bone Lab gave them. But is that the experience of the average Joe, Jill, who are going and getting a headset for the first time and have no idea what to do with this VR headset? No. The thing, yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. So 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 there's uh I'm gonna give credit where credit's due here. Hold on. Uh let's see here. Who said it? Danny Blitz, I believe, said it. Uh that something to the effect why why am I not seeing the comment now? A lot of comments. That's good, guys. That's good. Um anyway, it was essentially uh it said uh something to the effect of is that seeing pictures of what the bat is not gonna get people into VR. Uh, I disagree. I'm sorry, I disagree. If I if I had to pick back when uh, Beat Saber first came out, if somebody had told me this is going to be the game, this is going to be the game that's going to start it all and get people into VR, I would have laughed at you. Matter of fact, I think people did say that, and I did laugh at it. I would have never have picked a rhythm game with the most simplest of graphics to be the thing. Why? Just because there were sabers? Ooh, neat. I would have never have guessed that in a million years. Highly addictive game. A lot of people love that game. A lot of people like showing that they're playing that game. There's multiplayer for like almost no reason whatsoever. Um, I, I, who am I to say why this game brought people into VR, but it did. I mean, what the bat has just as much of a chance of doing that as Red Matter 2 does. I mean, you know what I mean? I, I don't I don't know. Um, Ian, let's, uh, before we go any further, let's hit our uh, sponsor one more yeah, time. Yeah, so, yeah, this week's episode is sponsored by Veil VR. Veil VR was built from the ground up to support competitive integrity. That includes standardizing player height and preventing play-space cheats. Developers want you to trust that every match will be competitive and fair. It's available now on Steam, and their next esports tournament starts in January, so get ready. You can find out more on about that game uh, in the Steam page, which is linked down in our description. I want to talk a little bit about... So let me run through what some of our other selections. Uh, you know, we're, we're ripping apart a couple particular decisions here with What the Bat, <laughs> but I want to give, I want to give an sure. overview of, of, yeah. of, our, of our efforts to recognize new content that was impressive in various ways in 2022. So we said Demio was the best updated VR game. They added a lot, a ton of new content to that board game experience in vr this year best new game obviously we gave what the bat best developer vertical robot for their work with red matter 2 best dlc awarded to jim henson's labyrinth course for walkabout mini golf best new hardware pico 4 
obviously competing there against Quest Pro as well as some accessories. I was actually a big proponent of the controllers uh, getting picked as... See, I have a problem with that. Yeah. I have a problem with the Pico 4 because I've never tried it. Well, I, I have I have zero experience with that headset. I've never put that headset on my head, and it kills me. It kills me that I have not been able to. Oh, yeah, it's um, one of those ones where yeah, I agree. I agree. I know I, I I want to do it too, but I trust I trust Heaney's take on it. Oh, analysis. I do too. I trust David David Heaney as well. Yeah. So I mean, his and his summation of it is better hardware than Quest Two makes the Quest seem antiquated uh, by comparison the Quest 2 specifically, but the content library and software is not there to match the experience you're getting out of a Quest. And obviously a very um, very succinct way of letting people know, yeah, you're getting great hardware in Pico 4, but you might be struggling a little bit. If you're using, uh, planning to use a lot of PC content with your Pico 4, that is definitely a, a major reason to consider it. People in our comments saying that they've gotten it shipped to the United States, purchasing it elsewhere. We don't really have any guidance for people who want to do that because it's you're, you're setting yourself up I've, for such a actually, difficult support situation <laughs> if you do that. Uh, yes, there is a very specific reshipper that will do that for you. Um, and so I attempted to get a Pico 4 sent to me, and they shipped it to the wrong address. I won't say what service I used, but they shipped it to the billing address, which means uh, our accountants ended up with a Pico 4, and I did not. Uh, oh, nice. So it's yeah, so it's somewhere in the cosmos. I'm sure it'll get to me eventually. Uh, but a reshipped <laughs> headset that now needs to be reshipped again. So uh, not thrilled about that when I contacted their support line. They said, oops. So that's at your risk. We don't suggest that. And then uh, what else? We also awarded Among Us VR as best new multiplayer. And then... The the other thing that I'm doing, I'll be publishing later today. I just need to get the 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 featured image done for it. But I want to start going down this list of just best locations, best places to visit in VR for specific activities. We've done this in piecemeal over the years, Kyle. Um, but it's time for us to start calling out some of these amazing locations and. Uh, just as we awarded uh, Jim Henson's Labyrinth for the best DLC to release in this year, I'm going to arg- argue that 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 mini golf course is mm-hmm. the best mini golf course in all of virtual reality. So, you've got mini golf courses you can go to via a website. You can just go to a WebXR URL and visit a mini golf course. You've got mini golf available in other games. People are recreating mini golf courses in VR Chat and I think Horizon Worlds as well. But all together, you've got theme, you've got physics. You when you put it all together, I don't think anything else can match the incredible experience as a package you get out of the Walkabout Mini Golf Labyrinth course. Some of my favorite places to go, uh, and I'm uh, biased toward this uh, is uh, real VR fishing. Um, some of those landscapes and the experiences yep. of fishing. I mean, I've had some extremely amazing conversations with folks. Well, Skiva and Alex, both of them uh, upload co- correspondence. Uh, 
you know, Ian and I have done shows from within Real VR Fishing. And I mean, there's just something I enjoy doing it in real life. And so the, the, the peaceful, tranquil, uh, perfect amount of 3D, you know, the, the realism and then the ability to actually do the thing that I enjoy doing, which is fishing. I mean, there's, you want to talk about places to go. I would say that game definitely holds two or three of my favorites. Yeah, so uh, that is on the li- this initial list of of the first eight places that I've picked here, and we're going to expand this list out significantly as we go through it. But uh, fishing, U.S. West Yosemite location, mm-hmm. sitting there watching a bear, this giant cliff next to you, going up to the sky, birds circling overhead. Uh, obviously, you can have multiplayer people around you. Uh, you can pull up music. All those things together makes an incredible fishing experience and yeah real vr fishing us west locations i was just looking there and i think they're going to repackage the way they're doing some of their add-on holes or add-on fishing holes into like the core experience sometime next year so i don't think you'll have to dlc buy some of those extra places but yes absolutely real vr fishing is there golf plus golf plus has Pebble Beach Golf Links. They've got the full course modeled after the famous uh, coast, the, the famous course out there in California, Pebble Beach, uh, butting up against the Pacific Ocean. You can golf through all those holes. And the developers over there, if you haven't paid attention to what they're doing, they've got a partnership with the PGA Tour to next year as a tour is happening as an actual tournament is happening with pros out on the course they'll hit their balls then in a vr headset you can see a shot ball tracker show you where those balls went right after their hit and then you can go following around the players the pro players hitting the balls and seeing if you can do better in vr on the same course as the pros going around right behind them. The developers there are still figuring out how they're going to price that, you know, package that for users. But -hmm. when you put those two things together of of Pebble Beach Golf Course, this incredible physical golf course everyone knows, combined with the idea that they're actually teaming with the PGA Tour, you've got an incredible package there forming. So I'm going to argue, okay, you've got Pebble Beach Golf Links, this incredible full-size golf course. You've got Labyrinth. I saw someone commenting that the 20,000 Leagues mini golf course was their favorite. I thought it was really cool, too. What set apart the Labyrinth course, in my mind, is there is a full actual maze to go get lost inside in the Labyrinth course. So not only can you go through the 18 holes, you can also just take a left and go off and get lost in their maze inside of the Labyrinth course. And I just, I love the way that's laid out as well as the the crazy uh, stairways uh, level. Uh, each of those scenes taken from a scene in the movie, just a, just a brilliant adaptation in my mind. Um, and then you've got, like I said before, you've got your personal display viewer in virtual desktop. You've got your virtual movie theater over in big screen. And between all of those, you've got a lot of basic things from the real world covered with incredible versions of simulations uh, of those experiences covered. And I think we're going to build out from there and really start to to highlight those things because, I don't know, like it's... 
not, not a lot of those things were new. Like uh, a lot of those things have been just there and slowly getting better over the last couple of years. And you know, something we, just, I just to f- it. throw something out there. Um, you know, we have discussed. You know, it, it's 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 hard for us to talk about the most amazing places that you can go in VR and not recognize the fact that VR Chat and Neos. Both have phenomenal people making amazing worlds to go and look at. And I guess at some point we might include Horizon Worlds in that as well. Um, but we, we want to possibly add that type of category um, in the future here at Upload where we actually are tackling uh, what what's amazing in, in some of these social – VR experiences. Um, you know, I've I've seen some amazing stuff in Neos and in VR Chat, and uh, you know, I f- I feel like there's some credit needed there as well. And so, just generally speaking, uh, you know, it, it, it's 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 pretty amazing to see some of that stuff. Um, but we haven't really delved into that in terms of a category. But I think I think we might do that in the future. User user generated worlds are a really tough one. I you know that thing I described a few minutes ago. Um, so I, I'm remembering a couple of the last few things on this first list that I'm recognizing. Eleven table tennis is going to be recognized as the best table tennis. Uh, we've already done that in sort of our roundup, uh, putting them putting that head to head with another one. Uh, but we'll have a recommendation of which environment. I really like the chalet uh, environment for eleven table tennis. Um, and then I'm also recognizing, uh, an experience called skits and giggles, and I'm calling it the best live show, um, in VR. And the reason I want to mention skits and giggles is because I have attended maybe half a dozen to a dozen live VR theater experiences in VR. And by and large, I wanted out of them really fast um, because of how bad they were uh, in in various respects. And I I hate saying that, right? We try to raise up what we think is working and point more people to the things that we think are working as often as possible without tearing down the things that aren't working too much. It's easier to just focus our energy on saying, hey, this works. Uh, Let's try to do more of of this thing. I've been to some just miserable live theater experiences in VR chat where like a person is trying to make up stuff on the fly. It just doesn't work. Uh, They're even handing things from one person to another in a live theater. Like if you've got this basic interaction where you've got this item that you're holding and you're supposed to hand it to another actor, often that thing will fly off into the distance um, in various of uh, various experiences here, absolutely miserable uh, when that happens. And I tried another one right before Christmas that it broke. It broke in every way imaginable. It was it was it was glorious how many ways this experience broke. So I I, I went to a Christmas Carol showing in VR. This is put together by Agile Lens a little startup that is trying to do cloud streaming. 
And it's done with actors using motion capture hardware in like one city, streaming to Quest and standalone headsets. And I was running, I was running on a Steam VR uh, cloud PC that was streaming my my experience to my Quest headset. And during my attempt to get this running, the developer uh, actually logged into my cloud. PC while I was inside Quest and they were like debugging the cloud PC to figure out why I wasn't accessing the the Christmas Carol storyline uh, successfully and they couldn't figure it out like I, I bugged, went through everything but what was remarkable here Kyle is they had this experience streaming to a 2D flat screen so with a simple URL I could send the performance to my family and they could watch it in the other room on a live uh, on live streamed uh, just traditional view. I was in VR and I couldn't even see what they were seeing. While they were watching things on their TV, the the actor changed costumes, like the 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 character changed costumes, uh the camera moved around in weird ways. Uh I just Every possible way for this live performance to break broke on us in different ways. But it was still mind-bogglingly cool to think that five years from now, that's what this experience showed me, we could have actors fully body, full body motion captured from their face movements to their leg movements, streamed over the internet to actors, you know, to viewers who could then view the experience live in VR. And A Christmas Carol is such a great example of this because annually, every year, everyone wants to see Christmas Carol come around around Christmas time. And it was a cool idea to be able to have a version of this that you could experience in VR, a version of this you could see on the web, or a version you could see just streamed to your uh, 2D window. And all of them are using the same core technologies. Super long-winded way of saying, uh, I am so excited to see what they do in 2023, 2024 with this experience. But it was it was just hopelessly broken for me in my particular experience. I'm sure a lot of other people had a great experience that didn't have as many bugs as me. But you can see in that experience where they're going. Like they will eventually get there, and we will have a Christmas Carol performed in this mind-blowingly complex way. The reason I wanted to call out Skits and Giggles and why I started there is they were using Horizon Worlds today, and they made all of their jokes. It was a variety show done in VR. Their jokes leaned into all of the all of the failures or all the limitations of the Horizon platform. So they had like several jokes about how they didn't have legs, um, and they all all those jokes worked because it leaned into just the awkwardness of the platform. So uh, just I, I guess it's just one of those things there I wanted to call out, Kyle. Like live theater is one of these the, the very cutting edge of VR, but it's not there yet. Most of those live performances aren't great and skits and giggles was very good. So that that anecdote really pushes the concept of uh the right word is trajectory. Like, where is it going to go? I mean, if you consider the fact that we're only one really solid 
battery tech breakthrough away from not caring about battery life anymore. Uh, once your VR headset can last 20 plus hours on a battery, and I, I know that's that's far out, but it, it's possible. It's going to happen eventually. Um, and then you uh, bandwidth, uh, the ability to push high amounts of data to your headset wirelessly will also improve the capability. So it's all about trajectory. Something is as complicated and complex and broken uh, as doing cloud rendered VR live skit, blah, blah, blah. That'll all be child's play, uh, you know, in, in a couple years. So we're, we're not that far away from, from being able to see this stuff done well and correctly. I mean, even this show right here, uh, you know, we're, we're in VR. Uh, I'm sitting in my office and <laughs> Ian's sitting in his. And, uh, so we're, we're, we're interspersing photos. As you can see here, me, this is a, uh, gear VR, uh, that intended to hold a galaxy S six, I believe it was. Um, and, uh, and there we have it, me being about as nerdy as I could possibly be. Now, there's another photo that goes along with this one, Ian. Um, another picture of me in, in a uh, Gear VR. And if you want to throw that up on there, I think I have the same shirt on. Uh, this was New Year's Day 20, I guess it was what, 2015? I guess it had to have been. Is that what year? Did this come out? October? I think it came so, out in the end of 2014. It was yeah, the it was Innovator October, edition launched. like 14th or 17th. I know because I went out and got an, oh, you know what? No, this is the Note 4. This is the Galaxy Note 4, Samsung. Uh, I went out and got that phone the moment it came out, and I had the headset right away, and I went bowling using the pass-through. Um, scored a 125, so, you know, not my best bowling day but not my worst but yes i bowled using pass through it worked i got a lot of looks uh there's video out there of me doing it it's a lot of fun but see again another one of those situations where we were constantly trying to push the boundaries of what was possible in vr uh before uh, other people were as well um Artful, I want Star Trek Bridge Crew back. You know, that's a game I don't understand why. I kind of do. Um, it was a very watered-down Star Trek experience, in my opinion. It would have been better off not being Star Trek-themed. Um, actually, one of the best Star Trek experiences I've ever had was walking around a VR chat uh, duplicate of, I think it was Enterprise C or D or something like that. Uh, fantastic. Uh, way better than what bridge crew offered but um yeah yeah what what else do we have uh ian if there's yeah so this is actually uh this is cv1 this was this picture was taken at a seattle vr meetup and um yeah, there was there was quite a number of them there. This was actually a few days before it released. I'm not really sure how. I think this ended up in a developer's hand, and they're like, "Yeah, you can take a picture of it." Um, what else do we What else do we have, Ian? As we as we go through memory lane here of of different headsets, I I found it odd. I couldn't find a picture of me wearing the Go, the Oculus Go, with as as high as I was on how wonderful that headset was. I couldn't find a picture of me wearing it. Um, yeah, I was so. 
was is this your fedora? Is it, do you have a good? Is that a fedora here? Oh my that gosh. is my fedora that I used oh to my sport. Gosh. Yeah, I used to wear that. Um, Did you this, burn it? No, I still have it. Actually, oh my, my kids gosh. wear it. Yeah, I don't know. Kids, <laughs> you know, kids are weird. Uh, um, so but no, I still have that this, head as well. I've got the same. <laughs> I've got the same uh, Gear VR photo with the the lenses off as you do. Um, and I always felt awkward taking that picture because, like, let's show let's show how it doesn't work without the VR. Yeah, right. Yeah, without the the <laughs> VR inside of it. Um, I think it's interesting to take that walk down memory lane. I I, uh, I pull up the bridge crew image, but I, I like this one in particular because it shows the um, you can see the CV1 sensor here. And people are talking about bridge crew out there. There's this promotional image from 2016 uh, period where they had all the different they had a, a different member of Star Trek's crews from the different crews over the years all come in together and play bridge crew and they set it up on the floor with um must have been 10 of these sensors set up <laughs> yeah for yeah. you know two for each of the people in VR mm-hmm. and they're all able to get into the headset and just ridiculous in retrospect thinking about like every additional wire that you hook up to your headset is like having your your addressable market it's like every additional setup stop setup step is just reducing how many people are actually going to get into this experience. Well, I used to, I used to have four set up in my old office when, when this was the way you did it, you know, it was, you just had to have as many sensors as you could. Um, you know, Ian, as we reminisce here and we go through all the, oh, go ahead and post that one, push that one up. That was pretty good. Um, as you can see, there was no limit to the amount of headsets that I had access to. Uh, I'm wearing a HoloLens uh, 1, and then above that is the CV1 along with the Gear VR and then the, uh, the HTC Vive. Um, you know, Ian, there's we're, we're talking about 10 years of Oculus, and obviously it's gone, you know. It's out. Uh, there's no, there's no Oculus, no Mo. Uh, do we have enough uh, reminiscence? Do we have enough ability to, if we wanted to put together, like, did, does Upload do like a a documentary of the first ten years of the reporting and in the community of VR? Do you think that we have enough that we could produce some sort of documentary like that? Mm. It's an interesting idea. I. I'd have to think of of the the format. You know, you've got this image of you. Uh, I think I remember the super. Was this the supercast where he was Uber, just walking Ubercast. by the room? It was the he was just Ubercast. walking by the room, and he sat down mm-hmm. with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a fantastic interview. It's right after. It is right after uh, Facebook bought Oculus. Uh, this was at the SVVR um, Expo number one. In uh, was that 2014? I guess. Um, yeah, so so long ago. But uh, but yeah, he he wandered in, had a great conversation with him. It's really, I find myself going back and looking through and seeing the evolution of how everything went from beginning to end. Well, not end, but from to this point. And uh, there are there are quite a number of stories and, I mean, developers that we've lost, developers that are still out there trying to build their giant, awesome game. There's 
a lot of characters, a lot of interesting anecdotes. Um, I mean, uh, I, I have video of, uh, of Palmer, uh, trying the, uh, project Morpheus, which ended up being the PSVR, uh, for the first time, uh, first video of him trying it for the first time at this. Actually, I think it was the exact same day as I think he's wearing that shirt, but I mean, there's just so many stories to tell and just for posterity or entertainment or whatever, people want to go back and see the history of things. There's a, there's a lot, there's a lot. I think that we could get some decent interviews and intermix it with some content here. Well, it's interesting the different ways to approach it, right? There's there's multiple ways to go at it. And um, I think a lot about the personalities and the people involved in this, right? Uh, people are what interest me personally. Like, I, I'm interested in the decisions that people made and the reasons they made those decisions and how those decisions affected other people. And what I found in... I don't know, a decade of reporting about VR is that those decisions and how they get made, um, people argue uh, and disagree over the reasoning for the decision, who actually made the decision, right? You get inside of a giant corporate structure and you get situations where the the decision has been made uh, by the organization, more or less, right? Like, it, it's just not in the organization's best interest to do a specific thing. Um, you could argue Gear VR, Oculus Go, you know, those those headsets just weren't in the right direction. So who do you attribute, you know, killing those products or not continuing those product lines to? Who, who was the final person that said, let's let's not do that? Um, I'm thinking about the the death of that Meta startup that had a pass through AR experience. It was Meta before Meta, yeah. and I interviewed the CEO of that company after it was dead. And you know, he blamed his company dying on the like a trade war, basically that he couldn't get more funding for his startup. And just one small example there of just someone not not wanting to own uh, the decisions that were made or the mistakes that were made and uh, the way those affected lots of other lives. And so you, you, I don't know how you can focus. The reason I focus on all that is we've had a changing of the guard. Palmer Lucky is now at Andrew working on his defense company. John Carmack is now at Keen Technologies working on AGI, uh, artificial general intelligence. He wants to make a robot that's smarter than a human in every single respect. Uh, Brendan Ereeb, go down the list of everyone that was involved in Oculus is gone. The, the earliest person that I can think of that's involved in VR at Oculus who is still at Meta is Jason Rubin. And I think uh, I'm going to throw out that name here just because I think think there's a chance he could be one of meta's secret weapons um we've wait, talked what, about this what, so wait jason rubin he's been there since 
day one or no? It, he, I want to say he joined uh, twenty fourteen time frame ish. I could be wrong. I'd have to go back and check his LinkedIn. But no, he wasn't one of the founding founding members. But he was there fairly early on, and he's kept inside, been, been in part of this. Uh, well, Michael Abrash is still there doing uh, research for the research teams. You know, those are very early members of this Oculus team that are that are still there. The reason I would argue Ruben might be a secret weapon is we've talked about it before, but Meta has acquired eight gaming studios, and not one of them has announced a new game since getting acquired. Mm. And as Heaney and I have talked about week in and week out, it's a very good likelihood that they're all targeting Quest 3 hardware for their next-gen software. So you have some of the most experienced talent, most experienced developers in virtual reality, all working on next generation hardware very likely and i would be willing to wager a small amount of money that jason rubin is part of structuring uh meta as an organization to motivate those teams to succeed where other development teams like the game development teams that were acquired over at google though they all failed they all all their projects got canceled and now Google's moved in an entirely different direction. Uh, can Meta go and actually produce quality games under their corporate infrastructure is a, is a really big open question. And I think it's going to take an industry veteran like Jason Rubin to sort out making sure those teams actually deliver on, on what everyone expects them to deliver. Um, Greg's you know, you, asking, you, where did Abrash come from? So... A uh, very, very key moment in Oculus history. In 2014, it was, I want to say it was January, there was a report on Reddit. Someone spotted Mark Zuckerberg in an elevator heading to Oculus's offices. Everyone on Reddit didn't believe it. It was just, it got buried into the sands of time. Uh, and then, of course, I want to say two months later, it was uh, Facebook acquired Oculus. During that same period, uh, from initially visiting and seeing what Oculus had shown to actually formally announcing the acquisition, somewhere in that period, they got some of the movers and shakers who were working on VR at Valve to jump ship, to go from Valve to Oculus and then become part of the Oculus acquisition by Facebook. Michael Abrash, I, I, he is one of the most. He would his his recap of this event of how this happened would be one of the most interesting interviews and stories to get out of VR because he's given a few inklings of what happened. Like at one of the Oculus Connects, he said he walked into a glass door uh, because he was so lost in thought over uh, the discussions this period, but. I think what they essentially did was Abrash convinced Zuckerberg that it was going to take tens of billions of dollars of investment to build out the core fundamental technologies to see VR out over the time span of 10 to 20 years. And Valve wasn't structured for that kind of investment, just wasn't built to make that kind of 
hardcore research investment. So he left Valve and went to Oculus, and uh, they built up those research teams. Carmack actually recruited a brash. They met at a, I think it was a Thai restaurant in Redmond, Washington. They had lunch together, and Carmack convinced Abrash to come and work with him uh, on on Oculus stuff. Uh, this is the story that I had heard. That's a story you've heard. Yeah, I'd love to confirm yeah. those stories firsthand. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in particular, the timing of a lot of these things. Uh, what was so remarkable, um, if you go back into the timeline and my, my first interviews, uh, my first demo of Oculus, of, of an Oculus a dev kit or whatever you want to call it was in, I think a version of doom. I think I saw a version of, of doom running or some kind of sample environment I saw in that first headset. But if I go back and listen to the recording, like they didn't want me to talk about specifically what I saw in that first demo because they didn't necessarily have it all ironed out, uh, that Carmack could contribute in that sort of way to what Oculus was doing at the time. So you have this situation where uh, Carmack promoted Palmer Luckey's work at E3. You know, he he brought out Luckey's headset with his modifications and said, this is Palmer Luckey's device. He's done an incredible job. Go check out the Oculus Kickstarter. And then Carmack and Abra, I think it, uh, Newell, Carmack, Newell, and all these other people provided videos that were sent in for the Kickstarter, but they weren't formally part of this Oculus effort right. for years. And Carmack uh, was behind the scenes for a large portion of this because he was still technically working at id on id products, and the head of id was very willing to sue people. So <laughs> you had you had years there where uh, a person was like un you know not officially part of the team and then officially part of the team called CTO but didn't actually have any direct reports under him. You know, he was working on his own thing in his own area. Um but eventually like you know it was like adding uh, I, I joked that it was something like adding Infinity Stones, where you added Carmack and you added Abrash, you added Lucky, and then you had this this gauntlet that you could do anything you wanted, and that was almost what it felt like Zuckerberg had acquired uh, around that 2014 time frame. He he bought this this dream team, and Wait, they all are, are you years. telling me that he has to kill the Vision in order to destroy half the world? <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, take, take. you started it. You did this. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. Um, you take it, take it to its extreme there, and it actually fits uh, perfectly well. No, that's the the changing of the guard here. The changing of the time is these people are not directly involved in Oculus anymore. They're doing different things, and that's why it becomes very interesting to think about what. What are Andrew Bosworth's and Mark Zuckerberg's contributions to where we are with VR in 2022 um, and going into 2023? How much credit does does Zuckerberg get for spending that many billions on VR and not listening to a single other soul about how they shouldn't be spending that money? 
Well, I mean, <laughs> our livelihoods depend on it at this point. Uh, the fact that all of this stuff occurred the way it did. I mean, we were always told, <clears throat> I don't know how true this is, but I was always told that uh, without the Facebook money, CV1 would have been DK2. And if that had been the case, would that have been acceptable? And where would we be now? And so the 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 amount of kerfuffle created by Facebook buying Oculus, uh, you know, was it bad? Was it good? Did it do positive things? Did it do negative things? It did things. I can tell you that much. It did things. And so who's to say where we would have gone and what we would have had, you know, remember input is hard. Remember that input is hard. We heard that for like two years that input is hard. And then here we are doing, you know, hand tracking and all sorts of stuff. And I can Vogue and, you know, it's, it, it's ridiculous. So things get better over time and you just kind of have to stick with it and watch the, uh, you know, it's funny. I'm talking about how awesome everything is. And then Ian just disappears on me. So I guess it's just my show now. Yeah, uh, I, I really wonder sometimes if, uh, you know, how differently things would have gone if Oculus had been, you know, there's a, there's a weird alternate reality where things would have stayed uh, on, a, on a trajectory, a different trajectory. But, uh, but who knows? I don't know. Yeah, Ian ran out of power. Oh, no. All right. Well, I guess it's it's just me then. Um, it's uh, Onakazi. It's always been your show, Kyle. <laughs> it's my show. No. Um, to be to be perfectly honest, though, um, there's been a lot of really amazing stuff that's happened in the last couple years. Uh, the last decade has been a serious. Uh, uh, it's been a roller coaster, a ride. Uh, it's great having such an amazing audience and, uh, the community is, uh, I remember when the Oculus subreddit was just, you know, it was a thousand people. That was 10,000 people. And now it's like, I don't even know. And now it's like, do we even call it the Oculus community anymore? Things are changed. Things are different. Uh, let's see if there's any other comments here. Did you guys seriously pick what the bat is game of the year, Funky Sloth? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that part of the conversation from early in the show. Uh, let's see here. Plugging into the highest output USB port as possible before Kyle says too many dad jokes. Oh, that's Ian talking. Oh, Ian. Are you going to be able to make it back in in just enough time to sign off? I guess I'll keep talking. Uh, feel free to ask some questions. Uh, let's see. Ryan Mallon says, bro, I wish Quest would tell you when the battery is getting low, like 30%. You know, the, the challenge with the battery really is, is not just about how much battery you have left, but how much are you consuming? You know, you turn the graphics up to 11, your battery is going to die pretty quickly. Uh, you know, I mean, I, we're an hour and a half into being in the studio and I'm on my quest pro, which was just on the dock. And so I don't know, I have no concept how much battery I have left. Um, you know, there's, I almost feel like I want to go back and discuss further about what the bat, you know, uh, it's graphics does not make a game. Um, you know, uh, playability makes a game. And this is my opinion. Uh, the ability to have a wide audience of people play a game. I mean, when the guy who made Flappy Bird made Flappy Bird, who knew? Like, nobody thought that Flappy Bird would be as big of a sensation 
as it as it became. I mean, it's it's like uh, it's like the pet rock. It's like Furby. It's like you know, it goes into that category of it came out of nowhere, surprised everyone, and then poof, it was gone. I mean, there's clones and stuff, but it's just it's just I don't know. Gorilla Tag, you know, was popular for a reason. You know why? Because it wasn't a shooter. It was something other than that. It had a social, had a, every time you logged in, it was something different. Um, you know, it was a ridiculous mechanic that was so much fun. Uh, I had seen other games do that before, but I'd never seen it done that way. Um, you know, uh, gorillas just in general, you know, always remember Harambe, you know, Harambe strong. Uh, you know, Right. Rubik's Cube, Tickle Me Elmo. These are things where you're like, why? Why is this? Why is this a thing? Uh, but it becomes one. It's a fad. I guess that's what it is. But fads can push things. I mean, Tamagotchi. I'm starting to see that Tamagotchi's making a comeback. And I'm like, why? Why do you want to give yourself a little digital responsibility? I have real kids. I don't need fake ones. Uh, but it's not for me. It's for other people. And then there's a nostalgia and all that stuff. I don't know. Um, Onikaze, yes, you do not have to pour one out for Harambe. Um, Flappy Bird VR Game of the Year 2023. Clayman, I mean, hey, uh, do we have that? I mean, isn't that kind of what Beat Saber is? Uh, yeah, Sexy Sexy oh Bicycle gosh. got my girlfriend a Tamagotchi for Christmas. See, and Fidget Cubes, Fidget Spinners. I leave, you, spinners. I leave you alone for five <laughs> oh, hi, minutes Ian. and you bring up Harambe. Oh my I gosh. Did. I'm sorry. I'm in Cincinnati. I just actually, I was just at the zoo and I just visited Harambe's old home. Harambe strong. Yeah. But I, fidget spinners, fidget cubes. Yeah. Those are the things that for some reason, the, the, you talk to 99% of the world, they have no idea why it's popular, but yet it is. Yet it is, and I look around and I see people everywhere, fidget spinners and fidget things. And actually, my kids, uh, for a while there during the quarantine, it was like those little poppy, like pop, 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 in all different shapes. Like we had one, it was it was Grogu, it was Baby Yoda. And it was like pop, 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 pop. And I mean, and I find myself sitting here, I'm watching Jeopardy one night, just kind of hanging out with a beer. And I look down, I'm like, oh, pop, 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 pop. I mean, I get it, kind of, for like 10 seconds. Look, we're getting yeah, see. Look. Oh my gosh! All right, well let's let's respond to this uh, comment here. Thank you for asking a couple times, Anthony. Are there plans to expand Upload Studio with a live VR audience or opening the app to other users for their own shows? Uh, very interesting ideas there. We are we're thinking about it, right, Kyle? We're yes. we've got to be real uh, strategic in how we expand and move on from our current setup. Uh, but I, we are thinking about all of those possibilities, right, Kyle? So I will say that in 2023, there are several cool, awesome things that are going to happen uh, with Upload, and uh, we're, we're we're that is something that's on the list. So um, having a live audience in an Upload VR studio is a thing that we would like to do. Um, so it's definitely on our radar, and um, but it won't be first of the year. There's other things that are a little bit more pressing. Um, if you haven't noticed already, we we hired another staff writer, uh, Henry Stockdale, uh, doing a fantastic job for us. 
and uh, he's in the UK, so it kind of fits fills in that gap of uh, of time. So we always have somebody kind of watching, manning the emails in case breaking news happens. So uh, you know, give Henry a warm welcome if you haven't already. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, we do want to have a live studio audience, and uh, that way you can watch when you know I'm talking, and all of a sudden Ian just goes. Boop. And he's gone, uh, and then hurries up and scrambles for a plug, and then comes back in, which I'm impressed. Honestly, that was pretty quick. I well, I, I was staring at my battery going down. You can't see it in the corner. I don't know why it isn't on yours, but it's yeah, it's I don't online. have that. I don't have that. You, I don't know. Um, but uh, I was watching the they go down one after another, and it got down to three percent. I unplugged it and plugged in another USB uh, to try to see if that was higher input, and it immediately went from three percent down to zero percent and died. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I, I'd been staring out the corner, out from under the headset the entire time, looking at like another USB cord over on the other side of the room, thinking, can I, can I get that USB over here without everyone at home seeing me uh, scramble across the room? So yeah, I'm back up to eight percent, building back up my battery now. Um, yeah, a lot of people talking about the different ways to do the show live um, and and ways to have the audience interaction work over time. And honestly, those those live shows that I've been to in VR have been figuring into some of my thinking there, Kyle, because it's it is really cool to have even this format of the show and then have a handful of people that could actually come into a live show. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people have been listening. I do want to say uh, people are pondering. I, I'm seeing it more and more in our comments because we have been harping on the membership idea for uh, it's got to be six months or a year now where we've just been suggesting please become a member. Uh, we are going to try to build up a membership program that is more meaningful uh, than we have currently. And I, I think that's going to be a, a big, big thing. Um, we we want to, you know, I, I'm very much in love with the idea of people becoming Upload VR members supporting us directly with a subscription that they pay to support our work as journalists. Um, I know a lot of people out there are doing similar sort of work to support their their weekly newsletters or their regular newsletters. And uh, there's a lot more we can do with that kind of feedback loop with our audience where... Uh, obviously, when we when we see your comments in a different color here on YouTube, we know that you're supporting us. Uh, we know that you uh, your question is valuable, uh, and we we want to respond to it and get to it as often as we can. So that is something we're going to work on big uh, early next year. Yeah, no, we are working on uh, some sponsorship options. Um, you know, ad free options on the site. Um, you know, Dune uh, Dame, I, I probably didn't pronounce the name correctly. Where's my upload VR coffee mug? I have two of them. And you can get them on our store, which the storefront is awful. And I apologize for that. But that's something that we're working on is, you know, having merch, having abilities to support us in different ways. So that's it's coming. It's all coming. It's all on. The, it's all on. I have a chalkboard. Uh, uh, over here on the wall and oh no I just wiped it off okay well I'll rewrite it uh, <laughs> it, it, we've got ideas and things that we're, we're working on that are going to be executed after the first of the year and um, so those are all and I love the fact that the audience is asking these questions Ian because it means that the things that we are planning are going to be received properly and well, we uh, you know we'll, we'll, we'll still have 
Yeah, no, I mean, we'll try. We'll try. No promises, but uh, yeah. But yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll, yeah. Uh, the, 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 the membership thing is such a big thing to me, right? Because uh, if you aren't involved in media, you don't realize this is happening. But uh, when you have an ad-supported business, you get motivated by what drives the most number of ad impressions. And for, oh, wow, uh, 20 no, 15 years now, I've I've just, I've poked fun at the way my employers have, have shifted my content priorities based on those needs. Like I worked for, you know, before Upload, I was at the Orange County Register and they came to us with quotas for how many, uh, how many impressions you should have uh, as an author attached to your byline. And all of the journalists realize this trick where you could make a slideshow instead of an article or you could do your article as a slideshow and the way they had the site rigged up was every time you clicked next on the slide the ads would refresh in the corners of the screen and you could get ad impressions by just uh you know you could you could basically boost your numbers uh yeah. 25 to 1 just by putting out a single slideshow versus one high-interest article. And mm -hmm. I watched an entire newsroom of people, myself included, switch around all their coverage plans because you could put out a slideshow with just ridiculous jokey slides and a, and a caption, and it would get 25 times more views than your actual hard news article. And that was years of journalism at that organization just morphed by the need for ad revenue. And but Ian, but Ian, number 12 will shock you. Okay. <laughs> number 12, you have to go through the whole slideshow to no, get to number 12 will shock this, you. This is why you support journalists. This is why you become members. And uh, please, uh, in the new year, when we make those requests, uh, please consider uh, joining us and supporting us so that we can have that direct relationship and not need to think about advertisers. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and know that, uh, we, we are an ad driven company and I mean, it, it, we constantly are talking and just so you guys know, we're talking, we're talking constantly about the balance of the user experience. I know our UI is not fantastic right now. That is something that is high priority for us and will change in 2023. I assure you, but the amount of, ads and the way that they show up i mean it's it's a, it's the cost of doing business but it's also the 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 way to pay for doing business and so i try not to let too many ads come on but it's a reasonable amount for the type of thing that we're offering and some people say man i'd really love to have an ad free experience and i'd pay a couple bucks a month to have that okay, uh, we can set that up. And that's kind of what we're doing. And so when he talks about, when Ian talks about the, um, the, uh, the you know, subscription-based type of thing, it's not going to be a, ne a necessity. You can still look at the ads and pay us that way. But if you want an ad-free experience, that's something that's coming down the pipeline. Uh, along with that are newsletters and swag and all sorts of cool stuff. Maybe a tote bag. People yeah, like James. tote bags. James saying, just yeah. don't do the slideshow thing. Yeah, uh, I am in no. this job. I, I picked this job to avoid and run away from the slideshow thing as quickly as I could. But yeah. support journalists, subscribe to journalists, support journalists so that they don't have to do 
the slideshow thing um right. because it's still out I, there and i won't ask I, you I, I did a speech to journalists in journalism class where i said this is this is the state of newsrooms in you know this decade uh good luck uh because it's 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 ugly yeah and i won't have i won't talk to you about impressions you know because i don't expect ian to be able to do any impression do you do any impressions can you can you do any I want to want to hear I, your I want to hear an impression. No, you're, I thought you were talking about uh, website impressions. Uh, no, you, you I want to hear an impression. A, uh, I want to hear. Do you now. do any celebrity impressions? Let's do a celebrity no. impression. No, no. Okay. I just mess up accents when I do it. I'll do. I'll do. I'll try to do British, and it'll actually be like a, a completely different continent. Yeah, no. yeah, I, I, yeah. Don Knotts, Onakazi says that your Don Knotts is pretty epic. <laughs> I'd pay to hear Ian do a Don Knotts impression. Oh my gosh, no, I no. can't. Oh no. wow, no, I do, I do. Uh, for some reason, I can do Jim Henson. Uh, so Kermit the Frog and Ernie and uh, characters like that, I can do a pretty good Kermit the Frog. I, I won't. No, do I was, it here, I was but, told yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for what was it? Uh, Carl Sagan. That's my, that's my overall. Yes, there you go. That's my model in my head. Something like somewhere in between that and Spock are the. Uh, the overall vibe I'm going for. With so you're picking a, people with like persona. really vibrant, out, outgoing personalities. <laughs> fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. Yes. Personalities. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I take this stuff seriously. That's, that's the thing. Like Kyle, I, I like your, uh, you know, you're always willing to joke and come back to the, the joke part of this. But at the end of the day, I do believe this technology is going to, going to fundamentally like, change what it means to live in this century right it's it's going to change work play relationships uh how everybody gets things done and it's one of those things that's hard for me to at least sometimes take it too lightly like uh, you'll get a joke out of me get me laughing but other times i just think about all of the uh all the people who may be forced into vr headsets when they don't want to, you know, I think that is something that's going to happen down the line eventually. Um, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to share this quick anecdote. Uh, went to a grocery store, uh, a little mom and pop shop, and uh, just just this past weekend, and I walk in and uh, I go to pay for my wares, and I take my credit card and I go to tap it down on the machine, and the man behind the desk who is uh, 30 years my senior he says oh sorry we're not up to the 20th century yet and i didn't have the heart to tell him you mean the 21st century i i didn't want to do that i didn't want to go that way with him and i'm like well th this is this is it amused me just the same way as all this other technology uh, i mean you know i i am always the one to go and make the quick joke as Ian says, when you watch this show and it's Ian and it's David Heaney, it's a very different tone because their goal is to journalistic stuff. And <laughs> I, I, I know, right. I'm, I want to entertain because I'm amused. This technology, it amuses me. The, 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 the concept of what this technology allows the human uh, species to do and to transcend and all of this stuff, it amuses me. 
that this is all happening and that I get to be this part of it. And so, yes, it's all very important and, you know, the, the, the hard reporting and the, the seriousness of it is necessary. But we also have to remember it's just amusing to watch the human condition evolve and change and become something better than it once was. And that's, that's my angle on it. You know, if you're not having a good time with it, what's the point, right? We're sitting here talking about the the argument between uh, a a space game versus a, an infant elephant made out of blocks and bats for hands. I mean, who gets to do that for a living, Ian? Well, it's funny. Like, all right, there's a lot of, directions i could go off but like oh i hate to be the debbie downer in the room where it's like you know people you know vr's first uses our military military training right people are you know learning how to be more efficient with their very serious jobs in vr uh at one end of the spectrum and then we had that news story going around a couple weeks ago where uh a uh you know a, a kid is facing uh crimes as an adult for actions they 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 partook in order to acquire one of these headsets um those are those are serious things to think about at the same time that it is (laughs) what the bat is the experience people (laughs) at home are are getting their hands on right it's it's the most ridiculous mind-numbing thing imaginable but at the end of the day i saw it in our comments someone you know you could take your job at Walmart and have to go through your training for your job at Walmart using a VR headset. Does VR mean the same thing to you as an employee using VR for your job that it means to the people who are just, you know, playing around and what the bat? The the stories that get me about VR uh, going in Going in on an annual basis now, we're seeing it happen all the time and in, in, in larger numbers. People who are taking this headset and then using it to lose tens or even hundreds of pounds. So they've been failed by all the existing ways to lose weight. You know, the gym is maybe a scary thing to go to. Uh, maybe there's a lot of judgment there that you don't want to encounter. You can actually go out and work out in VR and change your life in a really, really fundamental way just by applying a lot of focused effort and enjoying the fun of VR in that in that really great way. Um, it's, yeah, as, as silly as we get and as silly as VR is 90% of the time, there's still that undercurrent of bad things happening uh, because of VR headsets all the time. And it always keeps me from getting too silly with it. Well, like I always say, if it makes people mad, if it gets people riled up, if people are arguing and debating about it, they must be doing something right. You know, uh, you know, the, oh, the Internet's dead. Uh, the internet by 2005, the internet will be a thing of the past. It won't have any impact on the human experience at all. And that was said by a Nobel Prize winning genius. By 2005, the internet gone. Well, not every genius is right about everything all of the time. And is serious or as fun or as amusing or as whatever, it's here to stay. 
the 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 VR is definitely the next medium, the final medium. Who the heck knows? I mean, AR is going to put something on top of something else, and if you call it XR, and is VR the same? And twenty twenty three is going to be a trip. It's going to be an absolute trip to see all the different things that are going to happen in twenty twenty three. And at the end of the at the end of the year, next year, Ian and I are going to be wow. Remember that show we did at the end of the year? It's like this, this is. Who knew that this, this is where we were going to, you know, nobody thought that we would be here. Nobody, nobody uh, is going to be able to predict what's going to happen in 2023. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe Apple will throw their hat in the ring uh, or their headset into the ring, I guess. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe monkeys attached to Neuralink will, will be playing gorilla tag. Wouldn't that be crazy? Oh. That was that was one of the harder things to get through this year. Where they, we, Heaney and I went there and stood with a Neuralink representative and uh, asked them as many questions as we possibly could at one of our conferences and um, had them walk through the the process of of how they train these monkeys to to operate a game. So like they they had trained monkeys to play pong uh, using only their their brain input to control the paddle in Pong. And I had to have them walk me through the step one after another because what they, it's just not immediately obvious how it actually works. Where like at first they're, they're holding onto a, a button that gives them food when they do the right thing. And then eventually they're just telling, you know, the paddle what to do and not actually moving a, a joystick or, or anything and learning that way. That same learning process can be used to train a person who's completely locked in to their body, no way to communicate whatsoever. You could be trained to interact with a with a an electrode with a you know a computer in between you and other people. You could learn to command neuron by neuron straight out to other people after being completely locked in. And there's uh, papers out there this year describing that exact functionality. And what I'm describing, that whole process, is creepy as hell to the average reader out there. Like, when you really try to wrap your brain around how that works, of like what it would be like to be completely locked in and then taught how to interact with a computer uh, intermediary, it's scary for a lot of people out there. But it's something that's going to happen, to your point, Kyle, more and more and more each year uh, going forward. It's going to happen in larger and larger numbers. And I don't think I don't think people are really ready for just, you know, for everyone that gets freaked out about a neural implant, there's 10 more people who are going to regain some level of communication that they didn't have before because of that uh, that new capability, and it's it's we're going to have to constantly balance both of those views, right? Like uh, a lot of mainstream journalists out there are getting a lot of criticism for kind of having an always negative take on how technology is going to affect their lives, whereas I think at Upload we're going to have to balance out all of those things. So, you know, what's what are the positive and potentially negative effects of everything? I'm just going to say right now that I will not volunteer as the representative from the team at Upload to go have Neuralink installed. I will not be doing that. 
but I will gladly play Gorilla Tag against the monkeys. So I'm just going to say I'll do that. Uh, there was a question here I want to I want to uh, uh, approach uh, without causing any problems here. Uh, let's see here. The question was. What uh, Gillis Grant wants to know, what is your expectations on the PlayStation VR 2? Uh, my expectations on the PlayStation VR 2 is that it will – the people who love PlayStation VR 2 will continue to love PlayStation VR 2. Uh, and its success will rely solely on its ability to provide games that are not available – on the platforms that Meta or HTC or anybody else is offering. So uh, as soon as PlayStation VR 2 has a game that somebody can go, man, they'll never get this on Quest 2, but it's on Steam so I can play it on my Quest 2 tethered. I mean, there has to be something so exclusive and so amazing to draw more people in than the people who are already saying it's awesome without having tried it. Does that does that make sense, Ian? Yeah, no, I get it. It's it's really hard to imagine too many experiences being that way because of just the amount of people that are available on Quest 2. Like you have to go Sony would have to go to a developer and pay them enough to not port their game onto Quest 2 eventually that it it, it covers that loss. And mm-hmm. I don't I don't think there's a lot of games that are going to fit in that category. So I think we're going to be back in this period of maybe multi-year or year-long exclusivity periods, right? The the rules always get really tricky where they say we're exclusive to... Like, they, they know that they're going to get criticized if they say they're exclusive to a platform, so they try not to say they're exclusive. Or if they do, they they, they try to, like, be vague about it. But we are going to have this situation where a lot of stuff could maybe hit PSVR first, but it will eventually hit the other platforms just because they they can't kind of avoid it at this point. Okay, Ian. So we've got it. We've got it. I I could hang out for a couple more minutes before my battery. Oh, there it is. Hey, I have battery 21%. All right. So really quickly, I'm going to make an absurd prediction. This is absurd, meaning that there's no way in the world that it will ever happen. And it is the kind of thing that would literally have people pulling their hair out and going, oh, my gosh, what is happening to this industry? Apple teams up with Nintendo to come out with a VR headset that plays all the exclusive IP from Nintendo, but it's powered by Apple. Ian, would that make your head explode? Oh, it would, and it it goes to some of my, some of the things I've been suggesting for a long time now that we're that that quest is so far out on its own, in terms of a standalone VR platform, that I think competitors need to come up with unexpected partnerships, in order to to compete. I, you you kind of laid it out, and it's one of the things that Heaney and I disagree uh, with constantly. It's a joke that we disagree on the likelihood that PSVR 2 will be, at least in some official capacity, playable on a PC. I think that there's there's reason for that to happen, and Heaney does not. Oh, I don't think um, that'll... I, I think it'll happen. I just don't think it'll happen officially. Yeah, okay. So, it, sh- sure. Uh, I totally, totally get that. 
But you talk about something like Half-Life Alex, right? And you you said it yourself. It's totally playable on your quest, wirelessly or wired. It depends, you know, it's totally up to you how you arrange that system. But that game is is playable on your quest. The list of things that you can't do with a quest is very, very slim. You're absolutely right. I just don't know where you get the content that is only going to run on a PSVR system um, that that gives huge reasons to only get that system. Like that, that the yeah. fact that it, it spans two types of platforms with this headset is just a huge, huge seller. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun to throw out uh, ridiculous things like that. Uh, obviously, everybody's going, "Oh, that would never happen." Neither Nintendo nor Apple ever do blah, 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 blah. Correct. That's correct. But if I had told you uh, 10 years ago, just to bring it back to the whole 10 years of Oculus thing, if I told you 10 years ago that we would all be talking about what Facebook is doing to drive VR as an industry, you would have looked at me like I was smoking the good stuff. I don't know, man. That It just, stranger things have happened. You know, and uh, I don't want to, again, I'm not suggesting that this is happening. And if it does, I will go buy lottery tickets because that is, that is absurd. But uh, I don't know. It's just kind of fun to. Well, like uh, so I'll, I'll give this other example. Um, uh, virtual virtual reality developed by Tender Claws was a, uh, a wildly cool experience in its early years. Uh, its ability to like take off a mask and warp between worlds was such a cool idea. Then they launched uh, VVR2, Virtual Virtual Reality 2, and when it hit, it was a bug-filled mess. It was just, just tons and tons of bugs right there at launch. They went and fixed a lot of them. Um, they also did The Tempest as well as The Under Presents, and they were these really, really cool live theater experiences done in VR. And prior to the skits and giggles uh, thing that I was talking about liking so much uh, in Horizon Worlds, that was probably my favorite theatrical experience, The Tempest, getting to experience this hundreds of years old story performed by a person in VR sort of running their their whole show all on their own was really, 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 really cool. Um, they're teamed up to build a Stranger Things VR experience for Netflix. And the the thing that gets me about that is, yeah, they had this problematic launch with VR 2, but all of the ideas that are there that they've already executed on in those games uh, from Tender Claws could be used with the Stranger Things property to incredible effect. Like, there's just... It feels like a match made in heaven. It feels just so awesome to have that developer teamed up with that property. And I talked about it previously, I think it was on Twitter or the show, but there's a line in Stranger Things where the, spoiler alert for anyone out there who hasn't seen season four, where the guy says he saw all sorts of uh, miraculous, wondrous things while becoming an explorer of other realms. I I can imagine Tenderclaws doing amazing things with that premise, taking it to an incredible place. Um, I, I'm only 
throwing that out there because it feels like it's a developer and a property that are that are getting paired up to to do something amazing. They they could fail, it could be a bad game, it could have problems. But we're starting to see a matchup between developer and idea that could really, really, really work. And taking it back to what Kyle was saying a few minutes ago, where I, I the first 10 years of VR, we saw Facebook throw money at a lot of developers. And some of the developers did amazing things with that money, and some of the developers did absolutely forgettable things with that money. And uh, I don't know, Asgard's Wrath, uh, that's one of the studios that Meta actually acquired, and now they're doing things for Meta exclusively with that intellectual property. Um, Insomniac went and got acquired by... uh, PlayStation, right? Even though they had done some really cool, interesting VR experiences. Then there was the, there's other things that I'm thinking of, like Medal of Honor, right? Medal of Honor came out and just disappeared from the landscape really, really quickly. And as this organization that reviewed these things year in and year out, we noticed there there was this trend of like big developers learning how to build for VR doesn't always work, right? You're like you're you're requiring all these people to go back to the basics, and at the end of their product, they just waste a lot of people's time because it didn't have that hook in the first two minutes to really get you into the experience. Whereas you've got companies like Cloudhead, they went from the gallery, which was this mist-like experience, to Pistol Whip, where you pick it up and in two minutes you get addicted to it and into the experience in a really, really satisfying way. What I'm what I'm getting at here is in the next two to three years, I want more examples of very, very experienced and well-established VR developers getting paired up with properties that let them explore some of the things they did with their first games in much bigger ways. And I, I think we could see some amazing things in the next few years with that. Yeah, and it's pronounced pistol whip. Oh my gosh. Whip. Didn't oh. you watch didn't you watch the showcase? Come on. All right. So my battery is uh <clears throat> gonna go away. And so I think we should probably wrap this episode up. How did we get to two hours, Kyle? Wow. All um, right. Well just by having a good conversation. I mean, what can yeah. I say? I mean, we're we're both you know, we, we could just talk for hours and hours and hours. Maybe one day, Ian, you and I will do a 24-hour in-VR conversation. 24 hours. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like like a, a nightmare. Like, if, if, we had a little, yeah. if we had a little ticker up top that shows how much money we were making, we did it as like a telethon, mm-hmm. maybe. Maybe mm-hmm. I could do it. And if I could be allowed to close my eyes for long stretches of yeah. time, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Do, but, uh, do you, yeah, people watching you sleep in VR? That's not creepy. Um, no, just want to, Anthony wants to uh, kick Kyle off the show. Um, so I, I agree. I don't know why they let him on this show. Kyle is just uh, a disruption and uh, needs to go away. So, 
Yeah. All right. Close uh, this down. Guy says he'd tune into the 24-hour uh, sleeping in VR chat. Yeah, I, we joke about this and about our different tones. Kyle, I would love to see you do that commentating uh, show next year. Do you think that's going to happen? So yeah, um, uh, the I have to I have to like reach down here because I have a cable attached to my headset right here. So if I'm I'm not like crunched over. Uh, yes. Uh, so we're talking about uh, Alex in Skiva of Between Realities fame and also Upload Correspondence. And I uh, have talked about doing a uh, a little bit more irreverent and commentary style show. Let Ian and David Heaney do the uh, do the news. And uh, the rest of us can uh, can go and. So know. here's my only question: Can I can I crash your show in really ridiculous ways? And can I lock you out of our show if you do that? Can we? That, can we so a, so keep that you in don't mind, descend from the ceiling. So yes, um, you can you can come and, and visit uh, sometimes, and um, you know we can give you a, you know weekend no, I just, visitation I just wanna, like, or something. I just want to come out through the wall and like make some make a silly comment and then disappear on the wall and then I'm gone with no explanation. Okay, all right. But I, I don't to... want you to do the same thing in here. Well, see, that's the thing. Um, this show today wouldn't be going on if you didn't. If I was banned from this show, then we wouldn't be doing this episode right here. So, but yes, Ian, we'll have uh, we'll have a little Ian box. And then you can pop in and then make a snarky <laughs> comment and then pop out. We'll have a button that we push, a little Ian button that, we, you know, you put – oh, oh not my hands tight. An Ian button. We did it, pushing. Kyle. We, we, we killed the Heaney's timer. We went over <gasps> the two-hour mark and his, and his timer dies at the two-hour mark. That's awesome. That's not a bug. That's a feature. Yep. Wow. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I think we'll close this down. We've 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 done our our duty for the for the year. I'm going to just rattle off all the things that I got to recommend: big screen, virtual desktop, walkabout mini golf, uh, eleven table tennis, uh, real VR fishing, golf real plus. VR fishing. Those are all the amazing things. Yeah, what go, the go get into those things. You'll have a number good time. one game. Go play that. Tell your friends. <laughs> Tell your friends. What the bat? It's the best game out there in VR right now. Period. Go play it. All right. We'll see you all next week. We've got CS coming up. Heaney will be back as soon as possible. I don't think he'll be back in time for next week's episode, but I'm not really sure. Yeah. Uh, thank you to Vale VR for sponsoring us. Thank you for our YouTube members. Thank you all for sticking out with our show and continuing with us. And we will all see you in the future.